0: We're operating in a worldview and a theology. we are like, no, no, no. your relationship with the earth matters. Your relationship with your soul matters. There's this place as an artist where everyone else is running for cover from the rain. You want to climb the church steeple and you want to get struck by lightning. At the end of the day, you don't get a medal for being in pain and not taking anything. All you do is hurt everyone around you.
1: John kind of thinks for a moment and he
0: goes, This is the thing that I would want every young man to know.
1: Hola amigos, bienvenido al Anson's Podcast. Soy Blaine y estoy aquí con mi hermano Sam. And this is where I I kick in the uh, the
0: English translation here.
1: This is the Anson's Podcast, uh, where it is our mission to talk about the millennial world and the millennial self. We're still working on that tagline, but let us know what you think. If
0: it's positive, if it's negative, just keep it yourself. And actually just do that with everything that you think. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) true. So true. This is a podcast about becoming a
1: dad. I don't know uh, many of you who don't know, but I became a dad this
0: year. Actually, I became a dad last year. Okay. 2016, 2017. Very true. And when you're listening to this, Sam will actually become a dad, but we recorded it a little bit ago. Yeah, actually, Susie and I were in the midst of a pregnancy and a miscarriage. Um, We actually had a miscarriage earlier in 2016, uh, which I wrote about. And then we are currently expecting our uh, first or second depending on uh, way you want to look at it and so it was a really interesting space for us to enter in the conversation for me to enter in and then very interesting for Blaine who had just had his first and uh, some really some good raw terrified young dad stuff so even if you're not a dad,
1: don't skip this one because really becoming a dad is like a very distilled version of being a man and the core tensions in this one I think you're going to find are applicable to whatever stage of life you happen to be in.
0: This is Sam sitting here in the studio and Blaine here too. Blaine, you you have a daughter, you have just entered the world of being a father. You are a dad. <laughs> oh my gosh, where do you, where do you go with that? How has that been? The first thing is
1: it's been awesome. I think most young dads would say that because you have those idyllic moments where oh my goodness, all of a sudden I, you have a daughter who loves to sleep on your chest in the afternoon and who every day is becoming more and more active, more and more responsive to what you're doing. It's been, it's been incredibly fun. I think where my thoughts have been recently is as people have asked, you know, how's it going? How's it going having a daughter? I, I tell them it's going great, which is true, but the goodness of it looks so different than anything I've experienced before that it almost feels inaccurate. Like, I feel like I don't have the language to describe, um, you know, this is going this is going great because, you know, none of the conventional measurements where I'd, with which I think about my relationships work.
0: Right, you can't just say, it's good, and have that be the same good that, you know, a coffee date with a friend would be.
1: Well, exactly, and, you know, when someone would ask me about my day before, Having a daughter, like, uh, there was something that was kind of like fundamentally related to my own voc- vocation and to my calling into marriage, where I'm like, oh man, it was a great day. Like, I went on this incredible bike ride. It was three hours long. We really pushed ourselves. Like, you know, uh, that's such a space of intimacy with God for me. And I just loved it. Like, it was a richly physical day. Whereas, like, at this point, someone's like, how was your day? I'm like, it was super good. um When I got home from work, I took over on. Caring for who you know loves to walk around facing outward, but isn't big enough to fit in her carrier yet, so it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of upper arm exercise. She loves to move around the house, and yeah, so I kind of walked around singing Christmas carols to her for four hours, and then we kind of fell into
0: bed. To be fair, you don't have the world's most advanced six week old who's able to walk around the house by herself. Uh, You are. You're carrying Oh, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> carrying her. Oh, she's in my arms. Okay.
1: <laughs> but um, it's interesting because I'm thinking about it a lot uh, this week. And I think that the primary difference that I would notice about uh, kind of what it feels like to be doing well right now, there are two things uh, that really come to mind. The first one is, you know, I I was looking forward to having a baby for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of them was, I think that I have learned a lot uh, about the heart of God through having a marriage uh, that is very, very different from what I was anticipating. Learning having uh, a daughter and being a dad, and the words that I was able to put to it before Alish was born was, you know, I love being married. I, you know, it's really one of the greatest, uh, most transformative areas of my life where I'm living in this covenant with a person, which is totally unlike any other human relationship, and in it. Even though I am totally committed and caught up in Emily's restoration and Emily's flourishing, there is this kind of basic reciprocity that makes it, at the end of the day, as selfless as it is. It's not that selfless because I actually know that Emily is walking out the same kinds of commitments for me. Uh, and there's something about that she's also a participant in my flourishing my restoration that makes a marriage really you know back and forth and it's not an exchange and that never happens in the day to day of you know you're doing this much for me like obviously none of that's on the table
0: and it's a lot more human it it, it can sound like you guys are just both doing phenomenal jobs of restoratively interacting it's with just each kind other of monks
1: yeah living like, together
0: and every single word we say every action is just Actually, unfolding more of God's goodness for the other person, like uh, yeah, is, no,
1: it's so super messy in the day. We're talking super meta right now. Um, <laughs> okay. and attainable, I think, is uh, another word I might use. Yeah, but the large scale vision is there is something incredibly uh, back and forth in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, kind of like interwoven, co-supporting, like co-advocating, uh, dynamic that does not exist at all in being a dad, insofar as I can tell. Whereas entering into the relationship of being a dad, it's a very real opportunity uh, to be like, I am for you, Alish, and I am completely committed to your success. And again, you know, this is this is a higher level stuff that works itself out in messy ways in the day-to-day, but you never have to give anything back. There's no expectation that you're going to, you know, stay committed to the father-daughter relationship, and it's that commitment that's going to let the role of father be extraordinary in the way that it is part of the thing that lets the role of the husband unfold. But instead, it's like, yeah, you know, I absolutely want a deep connection with you, and it's partly that deep connection that allows a relationship between a father and a daughter to flourish, but ultimately, like, I am
0: unilaterally committed to your success. Mm. So in ways that your marriage requires like a partnership that that back and forth something you're I'm hearing you say is that your posture towards your daughter is something that you feel regardless of how she's going to respond yes that you're not going to continue offering goodness to her as long as she does x or as long as she offers it back to you um but that actually you're just gonna you feel that i'm offering it without any any caveats exactly and you know if i were to compare it to roles in the
1: trinity which i am of course going to do Um, You have the model established of, you know, in our relationship with our wives, we are reflecting the mystery of Jesus' interaction with the church where he is pursuing and the church is responding, and there's this rich, intimate relationship within which and out of which the restoration of the world unfolds. That is very different than what we're kind of explained uh, the relationship with the father is like where it's instead like, yeah, you know what? You go to another country, you totally blow it, you come back destitute, uh, you are received
0: with unconditional care. It's phenomenal and it's phenomenal language. And I think that initially it's hard to make that jump as a young man to the world of being a father with being even saying yes to it. Like, there's the financial commitment. There's the sense of needing to be stable. There's a sense of loss of you know, like what you're able to do with your life, of freedom, of staying up late on Tuesday having a bottle of wine with your wife. There's, you know, travel becomes a little bit trickier. Everybody looks at the newborns in the in their boarding lines for the airplane and kind of hopes and prays that they're not right behind them. Exactly. So I think for most people, like the idea of saying yes, even to the idea of being a father is, it's huge and it's terrifying. Um,
1: yeah, you know, you make me want to ask, and this is uh, deviating from the script, which we actually don't have a script anyway. But as you say that, Sam, I'm curious of what allowed you uh, to say yes? Of uh, What did that process look like? What were some of the things that you were expecting uh, when you were thinking with Susie, let's expand our family? and you knew it was going to cost something that you really couldn't fathom, how'd you say yes?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I like the language you're using of let's expand our family because that wasn't at all the language that you end up using. You think about it like that. You're like, okay, um, what's the conversation like where you say, you know what we should do? We should have a baby. Like, you, that's insane. Nobody nobody has that conversation. Instead, you have a conversation like that when you're talking about adopting a golden retriever from the Humane Society. You're like, we should expand our family. Let's go, I think Roscoe, that's a great <laughs> name. Um, and then you kind of resent them for you know eating your favorite pair of shoes and pooping all over your house. But as soon as you start talking about a human, a human child, you actually gestate and sit with it. It's impossible not to feel the enormity and the absurdity of uh even entertaining it you're like really uh, i'm going to bring a person into this world and i'm going to be responsible for them for their you know thought process for their morals for the them being a decent human being for their understanding of god and of goodness and i'm also going to invite them into like the weird things like my family's thanksgiving like that's going to be everything from soccer matches to how do I keep you alive to how do I form you as a human? Like that's the conversation you end up having and you sit there and you look at it and you go, it is absurd. I don't know. I mean, some people are destined to be parents and I think that's wonderful. And I think on some level kind of we all are, but I think if you don't have like a little of the self-awareness of just quite how daunting it is, um, you might be kidding yourself. Oh yeah. Well, I think,
1: I feel like the perfect expression of that level of self-awareness for myself and I think for a lot of, young married guys is the very first time, which usually happens kind of right away, that you and your wife think that you're pregnant. And I remember sitting in the basement apartment where we lived in Vancouver, you know, doing what everyone does, which is not helpful at all, which is Googling like signs of pregnancy.
0: And <laughs> And WebMD, you are either pregnant or you have cancer. Or yeah, probably every, both at the same time. Every every, every symptom is Oh, it finds its root in that. I don't know if anyone's
1: ever looked at the internet with the question am I pregnant and felt like no afterwards. Yeah, uh, seriously. A little tip. Just don't do that. Just, you, you
0: just eat some nachos. Chill out. Yeah, just,
1: I don't know what you should do, but the computer is not your friend. Because I was sitting at the table with just waves of heat, like, washing over my body as I was convinced that we were going to have a baby and the only thing that I could think about was like, we have to form a person. We have to create stability. Uh, We have to, you know, have a covering under which we can invite a kid. And then we're going to have to like feed and clothe and educate and instruct and do the much more difficult work of like forming the soul of. And like, I just remember like going and getting in the elevator. I had class later that afternoon and classmate walks in, kind of looks at me and is like, dude, how is your day? And like, I'm like, I give him my, oh, pretty good. And he's like, man, you do not want to know what happened to me. So I kind of take the bait. I'm like, oh, what happened to you? And he's like, I was out so late last night that I couldn't find my way back afterwards to my apartment. I, I had one too many, and then I was just wandering around downtown till like 3 in the morning. And I was just looking at him going like, oh, that sounds so hard for you. You were, you were tuned up and lost. I might have to care for a freaking human being, man. Get out of my face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I so that, that moment, actually, you become quite aware of how unstable your world feels like financially, spiritually, you're like, okay, I we can kind of do this, but like, you know, if, if we don't have dinner one night and we just end up making mac and cheese out of a box, like that's cool. But as soon as you like a human, you're responsible for feeding, like that's suddenly not as cool. I remember my, my reaction was, okay, like Susie, I think we're going to be okay with this. And. I just need to be making twice what I'm making now. It's like, it's it's fine. It's a simple, simple equation. And it's not a big deal. I just know that I am making half of what I should be. So to, to like circle back, despite all those feelings and despite like recognizing the absurdity, I think that we hit a point where we wanted to begin saying yes to life and yes to disruption and know that we actually, yeah we're never going to have everything perfect and there's never going to be a time in our life where, um, it's going to be convenient uh, to invite a human to share in that life with you. Um, but I began seeing a couple of things like, like couples with young children out camping or, you know, on a canoe in the Tetons, we'd pass by you know, another young family or we'd begin seeing, honestly, you know, my parents and Susie's parents is getting older. And I realized that I wanted to be open to inviting this person into the things that I love and into the world that I love. And um, I also wanted them to know um, formative aspects of who I am. And my parents and my family are a huge part of that. And I don't want them to not have those memories. Like that would be heartbreaking. And I knew that I would like, my world was never going to be so perfect that I was ready to be like, okay, I've got the uh, the job the income we've got the house we've got this thing we've got that we got all our boxes ticked now you can arrive and just want to be like no i'm i'm okay with the fact that we don't have all those like jocks in a row and actually once we say yes and we actually get pregnant the the, just how not in a row you are kind of comes to the forefront you just make me think of that really key
1: piece especially for em and i as she was saying more and more and like working through, she's like, I know I'm called to be a mom and I'm called to give my life away. And I know I was responding to that for like a a good year before we even like really began to look at like, when are we going to do this? But I really had in my mind for a long time, you get ready and then you do this. And your readiness is... All of the external elements. It's my job's in a good place. Our kingdom's in a good place. My car is reasonably reliable. My income is stable. Like, we have a thing now into which to bring a person. And I think finding or being confronted with the fact right away that, like, none of those things are actually really relevant. Uh, none of those things are the things that make you ready uh, to say yes to having a child. There's actually this whole other element which is you know the relationship of the mother and father and then the relationship of the marriage to God and that it is actually the relationship between like you and your wife and Jesus that constitutes the stability or uh, the right environment
0: where you can say yes let's do this i want to be careful to not be handing out like the here is the uh, The questionnaire for or if you are for you to find out if you are ready to have a child. Um, if you've got these things in a row and if you can answer these questions, then you're good. And here's essentially your your path to walk, because that's a little bit unique, and also that's not what we're after. There's more of like the young man to young man stepping into the world of being a father. These are things that we've come to recognize that matter. And yes, it feels like if you are. Not doing well, uh, you know, of a home. You're feeling very transient. Like that would be very difficult to invite a child into. But more than that, you know, how is your marriage, and how is your relationship to God, and how is, like are you stewarding your own heart and a little bit of those ideas of like you can't, you can't be this man with a flick of a switch. You know, you've got to have been practicing a lot of these things because they're going to be put to the test. Like I'm, I'm horrified of the idea that I might, you know. Of none of the idea, but of when I might mess it up, of just that, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I feel like I'm a decent person, but I'm afraid of that one moment because I know all it does take is that moment of exhaustion or that moment where I just speak out of frustration. Um, and I also want to have grace for myself in it. But those are some things that are evoking in me more outside of just like the my heart for you is good, little one. I don't know who you are yet. But I want to know who you are, and I want to invite you into this world, and I want you to know. That it has a story that you get invited into. And actually, all of the great stories care about lineage. And you have this like this story that you do not exist on your own. Your story didn't just come out of nowhere. And I get to kind of share that with you. It's really only in the modern comic books that we love the idea of the orphan and their story. But beyond that, deeper than that, there's this there's this need of fitting into a space. And I'm like so love that I get to offer that and get to explore that. And there's that there's that part of me. It's like, <sighs> oh
1: man, you just make me think of, it really does feel like being invited on a wilderness expedition into the backcountry, going down a uncharted river in Alaska, where kind of all of a sudden you realize uh, that you are your basic skills uh, need to increase exponentially, probably impossibly. Like, man I, man, I need to know how to read a map. I need to know how to fish for wild salmon. I don't know. I need to know, like, I just need to know how to do this. And I felt, you know, something similar when I was, like, going to enter a marriage, which, you know, it wasn't really like, man, I need to know how to relate to a woman. I need to know all the things in a row. But it was like, man, I need to know a lot about my own soul. And I need to know how to mature. And I need to know, like, what does it look like to conduct myself relationally for the rest of my life with this person? And then the same thing with like, okay, a child is coming. I need to know, how am I going to intentionally cultivate the maturation of my soul into a person of virtue? Because when I'm suddenly faced with that question of like, okay, so uh, you've had an exhausting day, family's requiring a lot from you, like, what do you do? What does it look like? And I think, I know that in an abstract way, like patience and selflessness and rootedness and the resources of the kingdom are all important categories, but what am I actually going to do? Those questions become so much more uh, vital when the heart of another
0: person is at stake. Hmm. Yeah, your metaphor has actually made me think of what what the experience feels like looking into it, that those wilderness uh, metaphors. It's not this thing like a race uh, in, in high school where you kind of get to just grit your teeth and give it 100% for, for 30 seconds or for four minutes. It's like you're in the wilderness. And it's almost like that survival, I need to be on and if i'm not on people could get hurt except that it's not just a wilderness trip it's every day forever this is your life you're always you're you're on a different capacity that is going to be very exhausting if it's just you and it's just gritting your teeth thinking about that and
1: thinking further you know i don't want to beat this wilderness metaphor to death because it's so excellent But you just know that Jeremiah Johnson is going to make it uh, not because he actually knows where to shoot a grizzly bear, but because he has an overall resourcefulness and kind of a a general capability that's going to allow him to solve these problems as they come up. And that is just very, very similar to entering um, the life of being a dad where, like, you cannot imagine. In the first 24, in the first 12 hours, there were things that could never have anticipated uh, situations that were utterly unlike anything I'd found myself in before. And what really matters is the degree to which I've become someone uh, who can handle the
0: wilderness. Mm. Yeah, we use that line a lot in Killing Lions of the idea of becoming the man that can handle your life when your dreams do come true, which is like, again, that idea that, you know, as a father, you don't just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're like, oh, good. I like ate the mushroom and I leveled up to to dad mode and I had to like spend these experience points here and here and that was super convenient and really glad that all came at once because I really need it right now because you know there's probably like I, I know a lot of young guys that aren't dads and are maybe thinking that's totally relevant or they can maybe identify with the terror of like financially taking that on or of emotionally taking it on or of being responsible to not mess up someone when the majority of human beings come from pretty broken families, but actually like it feels like what you're identifying in the midst of it and what I'm identifying on the edge of it is that this is one of those places where you kind of realize have you been putting in some miles? Yes. Have you been have you been practicing these like these virtues of patience and of like going to spaces where you can be recharged and of being able to offer kindness and strength on behalf of others and for that not to be your own reservoir because if it is it's going to go dry really fast and for Susie and I like our story you know we had a we had a miscarriage and it was it it brought out things in us that um, I was really I don't know proud of I think Um, just the way that we wanted to care for our hearts and care for acknowledging the life and the importance of this person that was, you know, incredibly short and incredibly painful. Um, and that at the end, we wanted our story to be saying yes to life. And I don't think we could have been there. And I don't think we would have handled it, you know, even a year or two earlier. Um, because we were we were growing and we were learning and we were learning what what we want to be and the kind of people we want to be, and the kind of story we want to say yes to. And it's it's like, you know. I'm a I'm an ultimate procrastinator. I've always been like in high school and college, putting things off to the last minute. And it's, you know, you get there to the test and you're like, well, I crammed last night and I gotta see. Um, I don't want to use that metaphor for human beings. I don't wanna feel like I put things off, though I know that I do, because I'm afraid of afraid of a variety of things that are surfacing in myself and like the way I might not have patience, the way I don't have patience for my cat when it just meows incessantly every five seconds for two hours and I just snap and tell it to shut up and get away from me. And like, I would hate to say that to my child and recognize that I don't get like, I'm not just gonna become the person who does that, who does have the patience to not snap if I'm not actively aware of like strengthening that now. You saying that thing of,
1: is going to reveal, have you put in the miles? Are you already working to develop those capacities? When I, when I think about that, there are a couple things I think of that um, have fortunately uh, been incredibly helpful in uh, these first couple months. And these are not things that I am a master of. Um, but I do find like some real relief in um, a couple areas of a kind of discipline one of them is, you know, I think of that line from Dallas Willard, which goes something like, you must structure your life uh, to regularly enjoy your life with God. Uh, that there's something, you have to structure your time uh, to receive the, the pleasure and the delight and the happiness that is a core element of unity with Jesus, um, of relationship with the living God. And I think that in these first few weeks, it is really difficult to not just totally sideline all of the things that you've done for soul care just because there's not time for them. And there's like there's a huge degree to which it makes sense. Like there's you I don't have as much time. So, you know, I'm not going on three hour bike rides on the weekend anymore. And I don't know when or if that's going to come back online. But there's a lot of things that worked when it was just Emily and I that I know kind of need to be put aside for this season. On the other hand, I've actually found that it is incredibly important to fight for and to safeguard the core rhythms of your life uh, that keep your heart alive. And I really haven't done this very well yet. And I see the consequences of that. Like, what are you smiling at? I'm smiling because you're giving this
0: tip, but you're like, I haven't done it yet, but it sounds nice. Well,
1: I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm learning this thing in real time. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. There's no time for reflection. Ailish is seven weeks old today. Jeez. But I think, you know, one of those core places is, one, where uh, am I getting my intimacy with God? Like, where am I prioritizing, giving absolute top significance to times for me and Jesus to be in relationship with one another? Like, where's that walk? Where's that bike ride? Uh, Where's that morning cup of coffee in the back room where no one else is? Where I'm actually kind of being reminded Uh, simply through that time, through that relationship, like who I am, what this story is, like feeling kind of the vision clear of like, oh, yeah, this actually really does come down to uh, the intimacy of this relationship. And I think especially for the first like five and six weeks when it was just like everything was triage and I didn't, I don't think I did that ever. Like I barely, you know, rode my bike during my lunch break at work, which, I would normally always do, but simply finding myself like my soul wearing out uh, without regular opportunities uh, to kind of refresh itself through that core time with
0: God. Mm. It strikes me that this is one of those areas again, like rubber meets the road. Uh, like, what are these? What are the ways that you've structured your life as a young man? That's like developing aspects of your character and your walk with God and your marriage. Because if you've been doing that alone, or if you've been trying like a hard charge, or if you've been disengaged, like that's gonna, you're gonna feel the ramifications of that. But I think that what we are after is like a posture where you can, you can ask older men because that's been phenomenal. It's a, ma- a massive resource. You don't want to feel like you're alone because the truth is that you're not, and you have these abilities to to ask others. And sometimes they'll give you really bad advice and and people tend to you know, just say, like, well, you're going to lose a lot of sleep and hope you enjoyed that. And you're like, okay, now how about the human being that I have yes. and my wife? Then uh, how do I care for myself when I'm not doing well or we're not sleeping a ton? Like, Let's go a little deeper than just these platitudes and jokes that we like to toss around. Time with God and the way that you care for your soul is a massive one. Being able to engage other young men or older men to ask for help or advice, like not feel abandoned and totally alone. Like that's huge. And I know that some people don't have that and it's not always a choice, though it can be. We'll say that, Um, which is a nice way of saying nothing, I suppose. Um, But if it is an opportunity, just to encourage, to like seek it out. Because the last thing I want is to have that moment where I'm holding my son or daughter in my arms. and I sort of look around and feel like, Uh, the lone man in the wilderness you know i'm not jeremiah johnson i'm actually in a community and want to be able to so
1: uh i locked my keys in my car this morning i have i've never done that before which is
0: surprising let's be honest I, i was shocked when you said it was your first time
1: yeah it was they just go in your pocket right away like they're never in the car without you it doesn't make any sense but i actually uh we had to have John here in the outpost, like, come and get me and drive me home for my spare keys. And as we were driving, as you're just saying, we we just had a little bit of time in the car, but I was like, John, okay. So it's like thinking about those first weeks with a child, like, what are core things to know? What are really helpful things to keep in mind? And it was like super amazing because it's not every time that, the person's going to come back with something totally amazing. But it was so crazy because John kind of thinks for a moment and he goes, all right, this is the thing uh, that I would want every young man to know. Uh, The core stability for a child and one of a child's core needs is stability is actually provided by the love between the mother and the father. You have absolutely got to prioritize being in love with or working to be in love with or pursuing intimacy and play with your wife for the benefit of your family. He went on to just give a few examples, but he was like, you know, like, actually, date night is a spiritual practice. Actually, co-sleeping is awesome. Emma and I slept for the first six weeks with Alicia in the bed. And but he's like, but eventually for like simply for the ability to cuddle your wife that's not going to be a great long-term solution and so making decisions in terms of where am i prioritizing my connection
0: with emily and that was actually like huge right and that was a 10 minute car ride and not everybody can be like john and just drop like a really helpful concise uh advice but you had the ability to ask and you had the relationship to ask and I think that's another one of those places of like had you not been fostering that beforehand, I don't think you would be getting the same helpful advice. I don't think he'd be able to speak into your life in the way that he's able to. As a thing that can be fostered for- beforehand, I was struck by right by how John's
1: advice could it was itself something that can absolutely be worked on um at any point in your relationship as putting in the miles for when you do step into those identities and those roles as mother and father. We're like, hey, great. Like you have a young marriage. What are you doing to prioritize and to foster play between you and your wife? Or like, you know what? You're early on the edges uh, of a relationship with a person and you're just starting to go like a little deeper and like, maybe there's more on the horizon, like beginning to ask that question of like, okay, what are where are we developing and where are we privileging the development of and the maintenance of kind of this core intimacy, this core friendship that is going to be totally key for
0: everything that follows. Hmm. I mean, obviously we could keep talking about being like what being a dad has been teaching us and we're, we're, not, we're not going to give like, the, here's the five things you need to know as like the, in the first couple of weeks, or here's like the top five tips of how to be the perfect dad uh, because A, that's not who we are and B, I don't think those lists exist. But thinking forward, what's something you're looking forward to as a dad? Oh man, I love, I really
1: have loved having a seven-week-old. Like, it is really unlike anything else I've ever done, but I am so looking forward for Ailish to be like four. You know, uh, some of our good friends have a um, four-year-old and a six-year-old daughter. Uh, and when Emily was pregnant with Halish, I just, like, kind of loved anytime time we got to be around them is, like, they're playing make-believe. They're, like, periodically asking one of those, like, incredibly deep questions that kids come up with. And they're, like, learning how to manage their emotions. And I am really excited uh, for when... Ailish and I can begin to have conversations where uh, there will be playfulness. Can't wait for that. Can't wait to see her depth developing. But I really am uh, looking forward to kind of her reaching the point on her development, which actually comes really, really early, where, you know, your child can start to blow you away. The things that she notices about the world, the kinds of questions that she'll ask, the kinds of observations that she'll just kind of offhandedly make are going to reveal and, and challenge and invite just a more complex and patient and learning interaction
0: with her as a daughter. Uh, it just sounds like in that you are looking forward to the continued unfolding of learning who this person is that like, yes, you are part of her formation, but that, you're looking forward to and anticipating that only deepening and that, like, getting to experience more and more of who this person is and what she brings to the world. Right.
1: It's going to be totally crazy as a person continues just to kind
0: of emerge mm. in the middle of our life. And it speaks highly that you want to be attuned to that, to notice that.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Right. I mean, you could be looking forward to her. Being the star of the softball team, reliving your glory days. You know, I really do. I really hope she hates sports. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I so do. I I'm feel like, like that's a
1: recipe for her loving sports. If I know. Really so I'm trying not. to figure out how I can like influence these things. Oh,
0: uh, so you're already like figured out how to like manipulate just like a little bit of her. I'm just trying
1: to manipulate myself to try and make the story like make sense in certain ways. Where I'm like, if I hate sports, maybe she'll love them and like I'll have to work that out. But I'm like, but if I'm like, man, I hope she just loves hockey I hope she loves hockey like she'll end up being a scholar oh <laughs> uh, we, we were
0: very aware of the manipulation that we see in that it's like super normal
1: I don't I, I wouldn't define it as manipulation Sam <laughs> I think what you're really seeing is um, thoughtful engagement oh totally totally alright well if that makes that makes sense yeah that's why I put uh, animals all over the room so that she becomes a zoologist oh is it a one to one ratio is that how that works one to one animal one animal in her sight
0: to one animal she's gonna love <laughs> Oh, perfect. So guys, that kind of is wrapping up where we'll leave this today. It is something that we could talk a lot about and I think we will end up surfacing as we want to be kind of connecting what we're wrestling with in our lives and how that meets kind of what we're trying to walk out here at Ansons and um, as young men. So thanks for dropping by and... uh, We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. You need to be sure to subscribe now and follow us on social media under Ansons Magazine. And of course, for articles and films, check out ansonsmagazine.com.